Welcome to the 41st episode of the 4th and 24 podcast with Patrick Winograd. I'm your host, Randy Winograd. In this edition of the podcast, our topics are a recap of Patrick's weekend predictions and a deep dive into the NBA. So let's jump right in with a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions, which are posted every Thursday on our website, 4thand24.com. And we will start with his NBA predictions, where the Jazz beat the Nuggets 127-120. to 120. Patrick correctly picked the Jazz. The Suns beat the Knicks 128-105. Patrick correctly picked the Suns in that game. The Trailblazers beat the Lakers 106-101. Patrick correctly picked the Trailblazers. And the Heat beat the Celtics 130-124. Patrick incorrectly picked the Celtics, making his record for the week in NBA predictions 3-1. Turning to Major League Baseball, the Angels took two of three games from the Dodgers. Patrick incorrectly picked the Dodgers to win that series. The White Sox took two of three games from the Royals, with Patrick correctly picking the White Sox. The A's took two of three games from the Rays, with Patrick incorrectly picking the Rays to win the series. And the Giants took two of three from the Padres, Patrick correctly picking the Giants to win a series from the Padres. Patrick going two and two in MLB predictions, meaning he was five and three overall in this weekend's predictions, bringing his prediction total to 160, 116 and 80. A 592 winning percentage. Patrick, your thoughts on your picks this week? Uh, don't pick the Dodgers if you're in Vegas at all. They're favored in every game. Meanwhile, they've lost, I think, 16 out of 20 games or 15 out of 20 games. If you're in Vegas, do not bet, the Do- bet whoever the Dodgers are playing because you're getting an underdog, which is likely to win the game. Uh, that's some betting advice if anybody needs it. Um, although I don't, I don't know. I'm not probably the most qualified to give that advice, but still, uh, yeah, obviously as a Dodgers fan wearing a Dodgers shirt while recording this, um, it sucks that the Dodgers are are playing like this right now. I think they'll be able to, uh, turn it back around. I mean, this is more of an MLB discussion, but in terms of teams who have turned it around, uh, I honestly want to highlight the Lakers because even in a loss, they showed that, and they proved that they could play teams tough when it really, really mattered, even without LeBron playing. And uh, that's a big deal for them. That's something that they needed to show because if they could not find a way to be competitive in that game, I I, I think it might have had a ripple effect to the next few games. And we're not going to talk about them in the NBA uh, in terms of any of those most impressive or least impressive teams. A little bit of a spoiler alert. But... uh, so I wanted to highlight that because in the end, they actually did beat the Suns a game later. So it was very important that they stayed in that game and played their hardest. Uh, it'll Although have big playoffs. Although for the standings, yes, the, the Blazers took the tiebreaker in this game too, so it was a bad loss. But uh, yeah, the Jazz beat the Nuggets. That's pretty expected. The Suns beat the Knicks. I didn't expect them to beat them by this much, but I definitely expected them to beat them. And then the Heat were up by like, I think 25 at the half. I actually turned this game off. And then when I checked the score later, I realized that the Celtics only lost by six. And I was like, oh, how did that happen? But uh, yeah, not too sure how the Heat let up that lead. But the Celtics, that could have been a game that, that might have been pivotal, might have lost their season and their hopes there. Uh, in the MLB, we already talked about the Angels and the Dodgers. Uh, the White Sox, I said, if they won that series, would come out of the division uh, as the division leader, come out of the weekend as the division leader. Uh, they did so after taking two out of three from the Royals. Uh, they're one game ahead of the Indians, and now they're three and a half games ahead of the Royals, who are now a game under 500. Falling back to reality. Uh, yeah, yes. 
Um, maybe that means the Twins might do the same in that division, get back up to reality. Uh, Sean Mania for the A's took a no-hitter, I think, or a perfect game, actually, into, I want to say, the eighth inning on a night where there was another no-hitter, uh, which is just by Wade Miley. Uh, it's just it's just crazy, all these no-hitters that are going on. But uh, that really actually was the game that I thought the Rays would lose anyway. So when that happened, I wasn't I wasn't too upset about it. Although when the other team scores three runs, you'd like to get a win. Um, but they did lose Tyler Glasnow's start, which was something I didn't expect to happen. That's actually why I thought they'd win that series, uh, and they did not. So that was the tipping point in that series. And my stubbornness paid off once again. Every single time I make a stubborn pick out of spite for the team losing the last time I picked them, it always works out. Uh, it happened with the Jazz, how I picked two out of their three losses, I think, out of, what, a 30-game span that they only lost three games or something like that. And uh, I picked both the losses. And then I picked them once again uh, in a game that they probably shouldn't have won, and then they won it. <laughs> and I did the same thing with the Giants. I picked them last week to beat the Padres. The Padres beat them. So I picked them again this week out of spite, and they won this time. So there you go. It works. Uh, well, even a blind squirrel finds a nut every once in a while. <laughs> Well, I wouldn't call myself a blind. I wouldn't compare myself to a blind squirrel, but uh, I'll take my predictions. I'll take two and two this week. Uh, an overall five and three is pretty good. Uh, getting back to winning ways is always a good thing, and uh, we'll see if I can keep that NBA record above five hundred before the postseason starts. Because I think actually next week will be the last week of regular season predictions for the NBA. It will. Well, uh, Patrick's predictions for next week, and that will include those final regular season predictions in the NBA before we get to the play-in rounds. Uh, Ken will be on uh, our website on Thursday, so look for them at 4thand24.com. That wraps up a look back at Patrick's weekend predictions. Let's now turn our attention to the NBA. As usual, our recap this week features the most impressive teams of the week, the most disappointing teams of the week, and the player of the week. So, Patrick... Let's start with your list of the most impressive teams of the week. Who's number one on the list? Number one will be the Milwaukee Bucks. They went 3-0 this week. They're on a five-game winning streak. They're only a half game back of the Nets for the two-seed in the East. Uh, they beat the Nets this week, and they also, I think, beat them last week, if I'm not mistaken, at the very end of the week. I think they beat them back-to-back. Um, they beat the Wizards, who we can't really call them pushovers anymore. I mean, that's a very easy game for the Bucks to win, but not... Not necessarily a pushover again. Uh, and then they beat a real pushover, the Rockets. But look, the real thing about the Bucks is that uh, it, it'd be great for them to get the two-seed and have home court advantage against the Nets, although I'm not sure how much that would really matter. I mean, I, I guess from a fan perspective, there the, you'd have fans, a limited amount of fans at some of the games. But at the same time, there is always the aspect of sleeping in your own bed rather than sleeping in a hotel room. Uh, it, it's it's It can make a difference, so... That that could be something that's... It, the home court advantage is definitely uh, minimized this year, but it, it's not like it doesn't exist at all. Uh, and I think that that would be something important for the Bucks to get. And it is very, very important that they're winning like this, especially with that schedule that they have. It is not too hard. So they need to be rolling through these games not only to try to get home court advantage, but also to prove a point that they're not going to be falling down in clutch time and losing in teams they shouldn't be. All right, number two on the list. Dallas Mavericks. They went 4-0 this week. They are also they're on a four-game winning streak. Uh, they're now fifth in the Western Conference in sole possession. They're two games ahead of the play in Lakers. Uh, they, they beat the Heat this week, the Nets, and they beat the Cavs twice. 
the, look, the Mavericks are playing really well, and I think that's something that you'd like to see from any team heading right into the playoffs uh, is a little bit of more of a sense of urgency, especially when you have this playing situation that you might fall back into. And they look like they're really trying hard to avoid that, and so far they're doing a pretty good job. I think there's only three or four games or maybe five games left for each team, and they are uh, two games ahead of the Lakers, as I said, for seventh, and they're even a game ahead of Portland for sixth, and I'd say you'd probably rather want to play Denver than the Clippers, so that would also be a pretty important uh, milestone or mark to hit, and Overall, the Mavericks are just playing really well right now to keep up this level and to keep their seed. All right, well, wrapping up the top three is another team that went undefeated this week. Who do you have at number three? I gave it to the Philadelphia 76ers. There are actually a lot of teams who went who had pretty good records this week or finished undefeated, but they went 4-0. They're on an eight-game winning streak. They are number one in the East currently, and they are up by three games on the second-place Nets. They pretty much have locked up the number one seed in the East. Yep. yep. And that eight-game win streak is going to go a long way for them. And as I said a long time ago, if anybody was going to take the, the one seed from the Nets, it would have to be the Nets faltering and losing to the Bucks, and the Sixers sweep, sweeping in with that really, really easy schedule of theirs. I'm going to say who they beat this week. The four teams they beat this week, the Bulls, the Rockets, the Pelicans, and the Pistons. Wow. Uh, can you really give them that much credit for an eight-game win streak against those teams? No, that's why I have them as my third most impressive. I wasn't going to knock them off of the list, but I can, I could have gone with Utah here, who's on a five-game winning streak at the top. But I'm, I wasn't going to knock them off the list because it is still crazy that they're on an eight-game winning streak, and it's important that they're keeping that one seed. Same as Utah, by the way. But I had to put only one of the one seeds on here because the lower de- the teams that are lower down in the standings uh, playing this well is probably more impressive. All right, and from the positive to the negative, let's go to the most disappointing teams of the week. Maybe not the most surprising. Number one on the list is... The Oklahoma City Thunder. Now, I had actually stopped putting them on here out of mostly... It's not disappointing. It's just expected that they lose now. But when I saw some of the stats that they've accumulated, I realized that I kind of had to put them back on here. And also, there actually weren't too many playoff teams this week that didn't win a single game, unlike a few weeks ago where I think we had both the Lakers and the Clippers not win a single game in the same week. So that's a lot easier to put them there than the Thunder going <laughs> winless in a week. Uh, 0-4 this week, 7-game losing streak, 1-21 and in their last 22 games. They lost to the Kings by 4. It was, it was a close game. Uh, they didn't score 100. Uh, they lost to the Warriors by 21. They did not score 100 points. They lost to the Warriors by 39. They did not score 100 points. And they lost to the Kings again by 28, and they, guess what? They did not score 100 points. Uh, when you can't get an offense to score 100 points a single time in the week, you know something's wrong, especially when that team is not... I mean, maybe you could say it's fine if you're building your identity on defense and you're uh, only scoring 97 yourself, but you're winning 97 to 80. Uh, the Miami Heat were kind of like that in the playoffs last season where they held teams down a lot, and they didn't necessarily need to score 120 to win, although they did when they needed to. But when you're scoring under 100 every game, you better hope you're not giving up 130, and that's exactly what they're doing. Um, they, they they have not looked good on defense. They have not looked good on offense. They have not looked like they have any great players, to be quite honest. Um, and they've also been outscored 
by 490 points in their last 25 games, which is the worst margin for a 25-game span all time. They beat a record that was previously held, I think, by the, I want to say the 1992 to 1993 Dallas Mavericks, I think is the correct year, which I think the Mavericks, uh, they did not have some glory days until recently. So when you're comparing your team to that, that's not great. And by the way, that's an average margin of defeat of 19.6 games. Unbelievable. And averaging losing 20 points a game. And that also includes, I think, two or three wins, too. So they even had some opportunities (laughs) to improve that margin. So if you Um, did their average law, oh my goodness, you're right. If you did their average losing margin, it would probably total, it would probably average 20 points a game. About 25, maybe even. Uh, Yeah, so... Had to put the thunder on here. Had to slight them a little bit because look, it's it, they're just playing awfully. They don't deserve to be uh, out of the conversation because they're too bad to not be disappointing. Although maybe without setting a bunch of records for really bad records, I might I might have left them off again. But I, I think this week was the one where I had to put them on right before the end of the season. Uh, next week it'll probably be teams who had opportunities to make the playoffs and then squandered them. Uh, moving on to the second team. I have the Toronto Raptors 0-3 this week. They're on a three-game losing streak. They lost to the Clippers, the Wizards, and the Grizzlies. Uh, and really, it's the same story as it's been all season. The Raptors, when they needed it, when they need it most to get maybe one or two wins off of decent to good competition, they just cannot do it. And that is the reason why they will be missing the playoffs in all likelihood. Uh, and look, it's just the way it is for Toronto this season. Uh, not what they expected to be from the outset of the season. I think even later in the season, they would tell you that as soon as they get healthy, they'll start playing better. And they just have not done that. And they have they not really gotten fully healthy. And they haven't really started playing better. So the Raptors overall, not only a disappointing week, but a really disappointing season. All right. And your third most disappointing team, and this is a team that's in the playoff hunt. Yes. This one is the only one of the week that's actually... Uh, in the playoffs, not even in the hunt. I guess you could say the Raptors are still in some way in the hunt. But the Boston Celtics, they are two games back of the heat for the all-important sixth seed. They beat the Magic this week. Good for you that you deserve a, I don't even know, a participation award for that one. Um, they lost the Bulls into the heat. Now, you cannot lose games to the Bulls when you are one when you are tied for a playoffs, but you need to beat the Bulls. that's one team that you have to absolutely beat. They're not good enough to be losing to when you're in the middle of a playoff race, although the Bulls are on a three-game winning streak right now, so they're playing pretty well too. Um, But the loss to the Heat might have been been more... more, You could expect it more, although I didn't predict it. Um, But at the same time, it's probably more disappointing just because... They were in a battle with the Heat for the sixth seed, and those teams going into the weekend were one game apart, uh, the Celtics in seventh, behind the Heat by one game, and they now play each other twice, once on once yesterday and once tomorrow, and basically if the Celtics won both of those games, the Heat would be would probably not be able to get that sixth seed, because the Celtics' schedule after this series is pretty light. Um... But if they if the Heat do the same and they win two of the games, the Celtics are done. Um, well, the old, those, maybe only maybe mathematically they're actually out. Um, but if they if they split, it's going to be rough for the Celtics. They need the Heat to go, I think, two and two, and they need to go two and one. 
or, or three and zero. Sorry, and I I don't see that happening. Yeah, it's those the old head head matchups are a two game swing one way or the other. So right. as you mentioned, they're two games back of the heat. And the Celtics did come in with the head to head advantage, so all they all they need to do is tie the Heat. But um, they, they they won the first game of the year, so they are playing each other three times. These are the next two. Who if they had split it, they'd be fine, I guess, sort of. But they'd still need help. They need this the Heat to win to lose one extra game over what they lose for the rest of the season. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Celtics uh, after you do your player of the week, uh, including um, some other potentially disappointing news for them. So uh, let's press, press pause on the Celtics uh, and the negativity. We'll get back to it. Let's move to your player of the week. I gave it to Russell Westbrook from the Wizards, the record-setting man himself. He averaged 22.3 points, 17.3 rebounds, and 18.3 assists this week. Um, I can't believe I just read that out loud, and it's actually true. Uh, he also had a game-winning block in overtime against the Pacers. Karis LeVert was shooting with one second left in the game in overtime, and he blocked the shot. Uh, they also, talking about the Wizards, they didn't go undefeated this week, so I didn't feel like they deserved a spot on the most impressive teams. But they went 3-1 and one this week, and they actually beat the Pacers twice, which now means that the Wizards have the nine seed over the Pacers by a half a game, which is a very important advantage because if they are in the uh, if if they're able to be the nine seed and they are able to be at home for that playing game against the Pacers, I think that's just a huge advantage and that would go a long way for them. Uh, and maybe if they even get in and sneak the eight seed in, then they can even just play one game and win and they're done which the way they're playing right now, I don't know who I would pick against them at 7 or 6, or at 7 or 8. But just really, Russell Westbrook's been going crazy. Uh, In the month of May, he's averaging 22 points, 11.6 rebounds, 11.5 assists, and and 1.5 steals. And he also tied Oscar Robertson, as I said, the record man, uh, for the most triple doubles in NBA history at 181. And tonight, he'll have the chance to take the record as his own against the Atlanta Hawks. So overall, Russell Westbrook, a great, great week for him, and uh, we'll see if he can break that record. Yep, going for it as we speak. Um, all right, well, uh, let's. we talked a little bit about the Celtics. Uh, let me pose a few questions to you here on the NBA, then let's start with a couple questions uh, involving teams with some recent significant injury news. Uh, just breaking news the last couple hours, uh, Monday afternoon, Celtics, uh, Jalen Brown of the Celtics is out for the year with a wrist injury. As we've talked about, the Celtics are currently the number seven seed in the East. They're two games back of both Miami and Atlanta, who are tied for the fifth and sixth seed. And they're two games ahead of Charlotte for the eighth seed. The Celtics have four games left to play in the regular season. I got a couple questions here. Does this mean the Celtics have no chance avoiding the play-in? I would not go ahead and say no chance, although you're getting to the point where you're saying slim to none. As a, <laughs> You can't say no chance yet, but the chances are definitely slim to none. There's not a substantial, uh, If again, if I were to give them a percentage, uh, probably I'd say there's a 10% chance of them avoiding the play-in, uh, which really, those are not the odds you want. <laughs> right. All right, and on the flip side of it, does Charlotte who's uh, two games behind the Celtics, or even Washington with three games back, and again, there's only uh, there's only four games to play, have a chance to knock the Celtics out of the seventh spot. Now, this is where I think it gets a little too much. I, th- I think 
I think they're basically locked into the seventh seed at this point. I think that's where they're going to end up. Uh, I don't see a way that anybody behind them gets ahead of them. And barring a win against the Heat tomorrow, which is actually the reason why I'm saying they their their chances are only 10%, because I'd say that game's a 50-50, and then the rest of the schedule is probably not going to go their way either. Um, so I would say they're pretty much locked into the seventh seed. Okay, well... Um, assuming they're locked into the seventh seed, as you think, or uh, and and are con- and will be a wounded slash banged up team, or Chicago slash Washington slash Indiana uh, comes out of that plan in the first round. You mean like, Charlotte? Charlotte, sorry, I said Chicago. Charlotte, Washington, or Indiana uh, comes out of the the plan to to make that first round. How much easier did the first round matchup of the number one and number two seeds in the East just get? I'm going to answer this question honestly. As much as I like the Celtics, there is a reason this team is in the seven seed spot, and it is not because they have injuries to use as an excuse. Uh, they don't. They don't have excuses galore. Uh, I mean, they could make excuses galore, but the reality is the team deserves to be in the seven seed because they have not played well this season, and their style has not been very good for really the. No matter who's healthy. Uh, and no matter who's playing, no matter who they are playing against, no matter who's out for the team they're playing against, it just hasn't all come together at any point this season for the Celtics. And I believe that because of that, I'm going to be quite honest, if you're the Nets or the Bucks, I guess we can put both of them as possible two seeds, uh, and the Sixers, there is no way that you can be looking out for who you're playing. You just need to know that whoever you're playing, you're going to crush them. Because any of those teams that would be at the top are so much more talented. Maybe with the exception of Washington if you catch them on the wrong night. But I don't think you're going to catch them on the wrong night for four games in a for, for four games out of a seven-game span. And you're going to lose a series to them. So I don't think there's anybody there that really either... Either I'll just say, uh, for the sake of keeping it how it is now, Philly or Brooklyn should be scared of. I mean... Kevin Durant, Kyrie, and James Harden are a lot better than Westbrook and Beal combined, a lot better than whatever Indiana's going to have going, DeMontis, Sabonis, and Karis LeVert, you could say, and a lot better than LaMelo Ball, Miles Bridges, and and P.J. Washington and Terry Rozier. So I don't think you can say that it got... I mean, sure, it might have gotten a slight bit easier, but I don't think it matters, and I don't think they should care about it. Okay, well, speaking of injuries in the number seven seed... In the West, the injury-riddled Lakers are now in the seventh seed. They're one game behind Portland, as we mentioned, uh, for the number six seed, and two behind Dallas, as we mentioned, for the number five seed with four games left to play. The latest news is that LeBron James, who tweaked his ankle after his long-awaited return to the lineup from injury, will play in the Lakers' next game against the Knicks on Tuesday. So, with respect to the Lakers, do they have a chance to get out of the play-in by catching Portland and or Dallas? They have a chance to get out of the play-in. They have no chance to catch Dallas, however. Uh, They definitely do have a chance to catch Portland just because I think Portland plays... They either play the Suns or the Jazz twice, and then they also play the Knicks. And I think they also have five games in about a seven-day span. Uh, The one saving grace for the Blazers is that they play the Rockets tonight, so they kind of have a free win. But then they play the Jazz and the Suns on a back-to-back on the road. And then they do have three days off, but then they play the Nuggets on the final day of the season. Um, I think the Nuggets might still be fighting for playoff seeding at the time, and the Lakers have to hope that they are. 
because if the Nuggets are not fighting for a playoff seed and they're locked in and they rest players against the Blazers, the Blazers will absolutely destroy the Nuggets. And that will mean that it's impossible for the Lakers because I think the I think the Blazers will find one one game out of the uh, the games against the Jazz and the Suns to sneak out, and then they're obviously going to beat the Rockets. And if they don't, well, I mean they're just throwing away their chance. Um, and that one game difference is the difference. And also they took the tiebreaker from the Lakers, so the Lakers have to have a two game advantage uh, per se in record uh, ahead of them. If they find a way to win one game against the Jazz and the Suns. The Lakers would have to go undefeated for the rest of the season. Uh, do I think they can do that? Yes. Do I think they will do that? Probably not, especially... I mean, you look at it, though, and at the same time, they do play after this game against the Knicks. They play the Rockets, the Pacers, and the Pelicans. They have three very, very, very winnable games. Um, if they can't go 3-0 and in those games, they do not deserve to be out of the play-in in the first place. Um, but overall, with that schedule, I would give them, if they only had one game to make up, I would give them a 60% chance of doing it. But because they technically have two based on the tiebreaker, I'll give them a 30% chance to do it. Okay. Uh, if you're Utah, who looks to have the number one seed in the West pretty much wrapped up, I mean, they do have it pretty much wrapped up. It looks like they have a virtual lock on it. Or Phoenix, who looks to have the number two seed locked up. Are you rooting for the Lakers to actually miss the play-in? and therefore not be your potential first-round opponent? Uh, I would say you definitely are, because that would also mean that you picked up a win against the Blazers in the final week of the season, um, which would be a good confidence booster for some of them, and maybe it would enter the Suns back into the to the race for the one seed. Probably not, but it would at least... It would probably be the win that actually clinches the number one overall record for the Jazz. Um, so that would be a pretty big win for either of them in the first place, but also... I, I agree with you. You should be wanting to avoid the Lakers. Uh, beggars can't be choosers, though, and I guess you're not a beggar if you're a one-seed or a two-seed. But uh, this is just kind of the way it, it goes. You know, the West is just this good. I mean, the Lakers probably, uh, you could probably say, and we talked about it last last year a lot, that the Lakers had to play against the Blazers in the first round, and everybody said, well, that's not an eight-seed. That team is better than... Two or three of the teams ahead of them, turns out the Nuggets were actually, in fact, better than the Blazers as it was seeded. Uh, and look, we, we make these arguments every year. It's all hypothetical. But um, it, it, it you can say that definitely you want to avoid the Lakers. I would say anybody wants to avoid LeBron James. Just ask any Eastern Conference GM how happy he is that he's gone. Well, and I don't know if you want to have our breaking news with uh, Russell Westbrook grabbing his 10th rebound of the game. Uh, he just got his 182nd career double-double. Triple-double. Triple-double. See, I wanted you to break the news. Against uh, the Atlanta Hawks. And he's now set the all-time record. 182 triple-doubles. Passing the big O, Oscar Robertson, who had 181 for most in NBA history. So uh, this isn't live, so it's not really breaking news. But figured we'd, we'd demarcate history. It'll be about and, 20 minutes later. And besides, news. I'll use this transition. We can speak about Russell Westbrook's old team. Uh, we've, we've, we've talked a lot about Oklahoma City really isn't trying to win. Uh, and you mentioned their atrocious record of being outscored by 490 points in their last 25 games, of which we know they at least won two of them. Um, the worst margin for a 25-game span all time. Despite this, the Oklahoma City, despite how terrible they are, the Oklahoma and despite that record and going 1-21 of the last 22 games, despite this, the Oklahoma City Thunder are four and a half games ahead of 
Russell Westbrook's other former team, the Houston Rockets, the most recent former for the team. worst record in the NBA. So, how bad are the Houston Rockets, and how long before they're competitive again? Well, we've talked about this before, but the James Harden trade did not net them as many picks as it should have, and overall they had none to begin with. So it will be a while for them because they do not have any really first round picks from their own from themselves. And the ones that the type of picks you want are the picks from losing teams that are at the top of the draft. <laughs> they are the losing team. And they don't have any of their own picks. They have the picks from the Brooklyn Nets, who are co-favorites, I think, to win the title. So when you talk about a first round pick that you have. That's basically the same thing as them having their own second round pick <laughs> because it's literally going to be a pick later most likely, if not maybe two or three picks later. It does nothing for them that they have Brooklyn Nets picks and Milwaukee Bucks picks. But moving on from the fact that their first round picks will basically be second rounders, um, in general, they do not have... When you look at OKC, by the way, OKC is already better than them and they have, I think, what... 80 times as many first-round picks because they own the first round they of the draft. They have more quantity for, and more quality of picks coming up. Yeah, they ha- they basically own the first round of the draft for the next two or three years, and I think even I think it's something like they have 24 first-round picks in the next seven years or something ridiculous. And by the way, they're going to add on to that because they're going to trade Al Horford and do the same thing and get some more first-round picks. Um, but they're already a better team to begin with, and the pick advantage is so huge. I mean... And also, the not even just the quantity, but as you said, the quality of the picks is a lot higher because they suck. Um, and they're going to get the number two, number three pick uh, overall, which is going to, in the end, give them such a great advantage on the rebuild. And uh, maybe they make some other trades and actually trade, if they if they find a really early round draft pick that they like, maybe they actually pair him with a current good player. Uh, if they feel that they're close to winning again and they trade some of those, I don't know, 100,000 first-round picks that they have to get a star. Uh, it's possible. So overall, I would say if I was to give a clock on the next time the Rockets make the playoffs, I'd say over under at eight and a half years. Oh, my goodness. Wow. All right, Houston, enjoy your success while you had it, which it really wasn't very long and wasn't And that wasn't successful. very successful. Um, <laughs> well, there's always football. No, hold on. Well, there's hockey. No. Oh, nope. you're cheating baseball team. All right. Sorry. I had to get that dig in as a Dodger fan. At least we wear our bias uh, on our sleeves and make it open and honest. That wraps this edition of the 4th and 24 podcast. Please be sure to check out our next podcast, podcast, which will be on Friday, May 14th, where we will talk about Major League Baseball and any other significant events in the world of sports. In the meantime, be sure to check out Patrick's additional content, including his NBA Power Rankings update tomorrow his pick for next weekend's games, and his MLB Power Rankings updates, which are posted on Saturdays. All of that is on our website, 4thand24.com. That's the number 4, T-H-A-N-D, the number 24.com. Thank you for listening.